Welcome to the Idea Fit Pro Show with your host, Sandy Todd Webster. Welcome to Fit Pros Around the Globe, and thank you for joining us on another episode of the Idea Fit Pro Show. I'm your host, Sandy Webster, and today I have the absolute pleasure of talking with Michael Piercy, a superstar fitness pro and entrepreneur who continues to reach higher peaks with his career, but who also lifts others through example and mentoring. He shares his passion and expertise with a mix of professional athletes and everyday clients, and as a master trainer and leader in the industry. Mike is the owner of The Lab in Fairfield, New Jersey. He is the recipient of the 2017 Idea Personal Trainer of the Year Award and the 2013 TRX Face Up Award. A former pro baseball player, he holds a master's degree in exercise science and has multiple advanced level certifications from ACE, ACSM, NSCA, and NASM. Stay with us for his insights on being a leader during one of the greatest disruptions the world and our industry has ever withstood. Welcome back, Mike Piercy. Thank you. I'm so honored to be here and excited. We always have great conversations, so this will be fun as usual. You know, nothing else. We're just going to have some fun. That's yeah, it. absolutely. <laughs> it, it is so good to see you, and I really hope things are getting a little closer to normal in your world. The thing about that word normal, right? It's funny. I was right. telling somebody, yeah, I saw somebody the other day. I don't even believe in that word. I, what is normal at this point? Right. <laughs> this point we, if you remember normal after like 18 months plus, like then you are on a whole nother level than the rest of us. Right. It's 50 shades of normal, right? <laughs> 50 shades of almost about everything at this point. So, <laughs> so, so uh, you know, just to tee this up for the audience, um, as I explained in the show intro, we are re-recording this part of the podcast because Mother Nature, in the form of Hurricane Ida storm surge, interrupted our best laid plans to launch your episode um, when we had it scheduled originally, which was right after Ida hit. Um, you and I talked and we decided it wasn't the best timing to release it as you were literally bailing out of your gym from a few feet of water and all of the damage that comes with that. So now that things have settled down a little bit for you and the lab is back up and running, I wanted to take some time to catch up and talk to you about the experience. Um, and just as a reminder to people, um, and, you know, I'm sure people haven't forgotten this, but if you, do, if, you, if you don't live on the East Coast, you know, from the Gulf on up to the top of the U.S., you probably didn't even have this hit your radar except for the news feed, but Ida hit the Gulf Coast on August 29th and then worked its way up the coast, eventually reaching New Jersey on the evening of September 1st. Um, and so, Mike, if you first could introduce yourself and your business from a top line level and then tell us a story of how things unfolded during and after the storm surge for you up to where we are today. OK, so Mike Piercy, owner of the lab here in Fairfield, New Jersey, lovely Fairfield, New Jersey. Um, and uh, we are an athletic based uh, performance facility where we work with athletes of all levels, as well as what we like to call our everyday athletes. Um, and. That's pretty much what we do. I, I like to tell people we are the place you would go if you want to do something a little bit more fun to reach your fitness goals and just do bicep curls, um, as well as, you know, trying to build better athletes daily is what we really do. That's our main thing. So be it wherever athlete level you're at, we're the place for you to go. Mm -hmm. um, 
So if we kind of backed up with the mother nature is, I don't know. Mother nature is, is on us with this podcast. Cause every time we do one of these podcast interviews, something happens. <laughs> so it's like, we did, <laughs> we did the first one and it was pandemic shut down everywhere. <laughs> we did oh, the next one. That's, 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 that's right. Exactly. So we never make it to get this release. We are, we'll know we're on the other side of everything. Well, hopefully three is a charm. Three is a charm. Definitely. So, um, yeah. So basically, essentially I was in my gym, uh, the night before the hurricane kind of hit, I don't, I, I say funny thing a lot, but it's not really funny, but you, you, when you look at it, it's like, I was praying for like, um, for, for Louisiana with hurricane Ida coming through right before. And then unbeknownst to us that we were about to get hit with it as well. Yeah. So, um, yeah, just pretty much closing up for the night, went out, you know, got up in the middle of the night, you know, just to pretty much check, you know, what was going on, looked at the camera system, and I kind of saw reflections in the water, that reflections in the camera. And I'm like, that's water. So for me, I'm driving down thinking, hey, I'm going to grab a shot back and kind of bail some water out or whatever it is at 5 a.m. in the morning. It was way more than I could ever imagine um, because I was out, you know, if I posted video, I posted a video later on, but the video didn't do justice to what I actually saw before that at about 5 a.m. That was me leaving and coming back. So, um, yeah, that, is that the video of you driving up in your truck? And yeah, I'm actually in the back of the truck of somebody else's truck, and you know, trying to get to it. the door. Yeah. Yeah. So, the, once again, to say the funny thing, right? It's not really, it's not funny, haha. The interesting thing about that is, I was never taking the video, and I'm sure we'll get a chance to talk about this. I never took the video for this outpouring of just amazing people in our industry that have done so much for me and for our community and for this, you know, the facility. Um, I was just taking it because you couldn't actually believe it unless you actually saw it. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean, you wouldn't believe it. So, um, for me, getting in, we, you know, basically ended up getting into what was, you know, two, three, four feet of water in the facility and you're just standing in it, just thinking like, it's a, like a surreal experience. So for me, it's like, yeah, I just taking the video to just be like, hey, listen, you can't, you know, you say flood people are like, oh, my basement's flooded. We think like, you know, maybe just what I thought, like I'm gonna get, you know, the shot back and we're gonna be cool with it. Um, but it turned to be something completely different. And then I, you know, and, and not even from a negative perspective, you know, for me, it was, it, it was probably one of the most humbling experiences of my life because you never, I said this to somebody recently, like you never really know. I, it's always kind of like this cliche line. I would say, you never know what, what people's lives are like when they leave your facility, right? You never know what, what they're leaving and going away to. But for me, I, you just never know the impact that you have on people that, um, that so many people would just rise up to help you with nothing of interest to gain from it. You know, it, it was just an experience that changed my way of thinking. I, I really couldn't find a negative thing to say about anything in this perspective because it's just been up until up until now, today. You know, it. it I I think it's sincerely one of the one of the moments in my life where I just really ran out of ways to say thank you. Oh, <laughs> I think wow. people were sick of me saying thank you. I'm like did the second video to say thank you. And I'm like telling, you know, I was telling like my brother, I'm like, I think people are tired of me saying thank you at this point. <laughs> He's like, I'm tired of you just saying, <laughs> you know, but um, essentially that's really what it was. So I think that 
Uh, and I'm sure I don't want to, you know, steal away from the things that you have that you want to ask. But I think that for our industry, you know, for me, it was validation that I chose the right industry. And it was just validation for what our industry can be, you know, when when they truly, you know, feel like they want to do things, you know, and help someone. And I, I was so grateful that, you know, I was that person. <laughs> so Yeah. So. Um, Mike, could you share some of some examples of some of the the way that the fitness community stepped up or the way people in your own community helped you? Uh, you know what? I, I could share a million. I don't the thing about it. I'll just say I'm going to say brands because I don't want to name because so many helped and I don't want to forget by accident. This is like going up to do that speech, right? It's like those <laughs> moments. <laughs> it's like you don't want to because then you don't want to not name someone. You know, I had brands that, you know, offered to that I had no relationship to offer to replace equipment. That was one of the most painful experiences. One of the most painful experiences was the facility owner, I think, was having a pickup truck and filling up the back of it with equipment that you've been scraping and doing everything to get in and just having to fill it up, knowing it's going to a dumpster somewhere. You're looking mm. like, no, can I keep that? And it's like, no, you can't keep that. The thing's been underwater uh, for, you know, how long? Um but that, but people, just people, you know, um, you know, I was fortunate enough to, I, I'm not the best at taking help or asking for help. You know, it's one of the flaws, right? Um, everybody, we all got. Them. And so I had a cousin who decided that she would go against my wishes and set up a GoFundMe. And, uh, I, you know, I'm so grateful to all the people, you know, not even, it wasn't even the monetary value of it is really the fact that so many people just decided to share it. And it became like a thing where you just every day it's like I'm trying to <laughs> I'm trying to keep up with it and hoping that I don't forget somebody or you know cards that I received um, my own community you know that just the people that showed up and spent so much time to just try to help and showing up to do you know bathroom work cleaning things doing whatever and then friends you know friends that may have whether they lived in the area or not you know I had good friend. Um, especially in the industry himself, runs a big facility, took a day and drove all the way down from Massachusetts just to help, you know, do things. And uh, I, I think that in, in friends that I hadn't seen for, in forever came down. So in the great story about that, and I think I shared this about a week ago with somebody, um, is I had getting to a point where, you know, it's, it's positive mindset is great. You don't always, it's hard to keep in some situations. So it's like you, you always will hit points where you don't feel so great about things or, you know, or things where you feel like, you know, I'm just, I'm just over this right now. Mm -hmm. And so I had hit one of those moments and because we were doing so much work and I think I was just mentally fatigued at one point and you walk into the place and you just got it's stuff piled on top of stuff, you know, and it's like, all right, you know, you had people who showed up to just clean the equipment that we could keep you know, round the clock cleaning stuff um, and trying to get back up as fast as we could. And or and then you're watching like floors and things like that. It's a complete mess. And so I walked in one day and it's just like, I'm just like, I'm over this. I'm like, I'm, I'm completely over this. Yeah. And, and I walked back out and I went to go get some breakfast and I'm talking on the phone. And then I had a friend who's coming down from Massachusetts and he called. He said, I'm in the parking lot, you know, so now I got to go back. So now I got to go back because he drove all the way down. I'm like, ah, I got to go back. Then I had another friend who um, I hadn't seen in years and years, but always very supportive. We started together. 
um, kind of on his road in the industry and he was down the street and he just said, all right, I, I'm on my way over. You know, I can do whatever. And I just always will remember, and this is something I guess that can be a takeaway. It's a takeaway that I'll always have the rest of my life from those two, from not just them two. So many people helped out, but it's just that one moment in that moment. But I remember him saying to me, I, and they could, they could sense him. I, I think his best, his best terminology, I think he called his wife and he said, oh, he looks like he's wrong out. Like he's just like, oh. like a towel, like he just wrung him out. And I think the the one watershed moment that helped me get past that point, and he said, Mike, let's just get one room ready. Yeah. We'll just get one room ready. And it completely changed my whole entire perspective. And that day, me and these guys, we did probably three weeks of work, uh, you know, a week of work in, in, in one day. You so know? Re- rather than trying to swallow the whole pill, you know, you, you chunked it down and said, okay, this is, this is what I can mentally manage right now. And let's just concentrate on getting this one thing done, let's chunk it down. And then you check that off. And it, so often in life, we, we forget to, to do that, to chunk things down. It's sort of like giving a, a client a, a, this massive goal that they can't even wrap their head around. Right. But yeah. if we, if as their coach, we can chunk it down for them then mm-hmm. it's a lot more manageable to do it step by step. And yeah. And it was, you know, when you're walking into that situation, I didn't want to do a whole lot. You know, I guess it is popular. You do, you know, if I had to grab the camera and said, this is what we're doing today. This, but I didn't, I didn't want it to feel exploitive, yeah. you know? And at that point I was really in a place and I still am a lot of ways. I was really in a point where I'm, I was learning a lot of things in the moment and I learned so much just because it's in that moment, I'm, I'm very much used to just going and doing things. That's the type of person I am. Mm-hmm. I'm very much used to just, I'll, I'll go do it. And that was my mentality and framework. It's like, let's, I'll get in here and I'll build water out and with my shot back and do whatever. And that was originally, you know, kind of what it was me trying to get the water out as much as possible and doing just kind of on my own. But in that moment, you know, it, it was, and all honesty, really was nothing left. You know, it's not a quitting moment. It was just like, I, it was like, I can't do this today moment, you know, sure. which we all have. Sure. And then in that focus, it was a lesson about having to lean on other, on other people who have more energy than you to carry it forward, you know. And at the end, you know, it started to look like something. So now it's like when you look at videos, it, it, it looks uh, for me, it looks very similar to what it was when you first started. I mean, yeah. people say it looks great. I think it looks great. It's not, you know, you still have work to do. Um, but in that moment, it changed a lot of, you know, things for me, you know. So it's like having having these guys come in and help out and do everything. You know, I thought it was great, you know. So um, I, I really appreciate that. So. Yeah, absolutely. So, Mike, from the point of, you know, let's say you driving up, filming that that scene with the deep water driving up to your gym and seeing it in daylight for the first time, and then, um, you know, to the point where you were able to open your doors, which was, what, a couple of weeks ago? Yeah, yeah. So, we well, we were able to do stuff before then, functional. Okay. You know, we, we got things, so... And, and then uh, and then to to today, I just want to finish the thought. What was the, the full time span for you? And I, I can't imagine you're 100 percent back to normal yet, but you're uh, probably pretty close. But what was well, that? What was the time span of, you know, absolute uh, we, disaster uh, to opening the doors? I think we got 
pretty. So if you say opening the doors, we got to a functional standpoint in about you know a week and a half and two weeks in some in, in some respects. I mean, um, I think that it, it it's. So the hundred percent is interesting because I just don't I don't know for me mentally my framework when you've when you've gotten rid of so much stuff or you've done so much stuff I don't know like what a hundred percent would be because you start to think of what the old thing was and then what I don't think is new but at the same time it's just an adjustment you know so it's inaudible in some in, in some respects so um, I think that we're probably I, I guess you're at a hundred percent of where you should be now. And I think that's probably the best way for me to look at it. Yeah, um, great perspective. You, you know, well, I, I don't know. You know, it's the interesting thing about it is not a book. It's almost like you're going through some circumstances where this is not, there's not a book that you have that you can go to and you can say, you know, um, this is what happened or this is this is how things go. Um, I think that it, it's, it, it's super interesting it's, it's part of the journey. <laughs> right. so it's like, so right. I don't know like uh, where, where you go perspective wise and how you're supposed to deal with it when you say, when is it supposed to be at a hundred and when is it not? So I think that if you have people in the doors and people are doing stuff, I think it's at a hundred. You know, I think, you know, for what it, for what it is and where we are, I think, I think I would think that we're at a hundred. Yeah. You know? Now I, I try to be, once again, if we go back to what it was, I, I didn't want it to really become an exploitive thing where it became popular. Let's log in and see kind of what Mike and them are doing today. You know what I mean? Because um, it's my mental framework wasn't there, you know, mm-hmm. um, and, and I don't claim to have the most perfect one. <laughs> so some days are great. Some days aren't. And you're dealing with, you know, things that you don't necessarily have to have a complete roadmap on, on what you're dealing with. Right. Well, I mean, this is a a unicorn event, really, when you think about it. I mean, there is no roadmap. And you how do you even gauge where normal is? But, you know, the the fact that you're we're sitting here talking and you're able to reflect on it a bit and that, you know, you've you've had your clients are back and you're training them and things are returning to some sense of rhythm for you, I think is, is getting close. So I have one final question on this topic for you. Mm -hmm. Um, So in, in our industry, especially, I think we often philosophize about opportunity coming from adversity. Um, We have those conversations with clients sometimes, and um, this might still be too painful or fresh for you to reflect on, but any initial thoughts about silver linings and lessons learned that you can share? I mean, you've oh, already man. mentioned a few of those, but. Um, oh, well, that, no, nah, it's not painful at all. For me, it's an awakening moment. Um, and it's not that you you had an outlook that wasn't that way. It's just that, and definitely not. You know what, for me, I've always loved this industry. I've always loved being in this industry. I always loved um, uh, just the interaction with people who genuinely want to get better, want to do more, want to raise this to the next level. And I think that's why you do these you know, great podcast. That's why you put together and have the standard for the idea of fitness journey, the journal that you have, um, the overall things that ideas always done with the conferences and trying to be at the next level. And then, you know, the representation of the industry, that's, that's what we want. For me, I think it was an awakening in the aspect of that. Um, 
for me, people were there for me that I wouldn't necessarily, you wouldn't necessarily expect that, you know, and it's, mm-hmm. I don't think you should expect it, you know, um, I, I thought it was it's something. So for me, it's like when I don't mention the names, it's because I just don't want someone to feel bad because their name wasn't mentioned. Sure. You know, so I wanted to keep it for us because it was so many people that just stepped up and did so much from the smallest minute detail down to great friends who drove miles and miles just yeah. because they and then so many people who felt a connection or felt inspired by something that you did. And I think that that's an emotional thing for me, as well as an organic thing, because I think that, you know, when you look at it, it changed for me, it always forever changed the way. Um, that I feel about doing a presentation mm-hmm. or doing a course or an interaction on social media or, you know, just the conversation that you might have with someone because um, there was so many, so many, so many, so many people. Seriously, it's just, it, it, it actually, for me, it's, I, I, I kind of, you can't, you can't figure out enough ways to say thank you to people. Really, <laughs> It's like, if you could, no matter which way you come across, you would feel like if you were me, I mean, it feels great. But at the same time, every time I feel like, I don't know if I said thank you the right way or thank you enough. <laughs> and I, I, that's a good feeling to have, you know what I mean? So for me, uh, if it's the last question at all, I just want to say, you know, with complete gratitude, you know, thank you for everything to everybody in this whole entire industry, you know, and like I said, for me, I, I just didn't want to, uh, the people know who they are. And the greatest thing about this is that the people who did step up to do something, they did it because they wanted to do it. And that's my thing. I, I That's my genuine feeling. Nobody ever did it because they wanted to be shouted out. Or, you know, it's just because at some way in life, you affected somebody in that way. Yeah. And it's humbling and powerful in a way to where, like, I don't even know if I want to talk because I'm scared I might say the wrong thing. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm well, joking. I, I'll I'm always sure, be me. I'm, I'm quite sure that your your words of gratitude have resonated with everyone who knows who they are. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I just wanted... I I just wanted to thank you, Mike, for stopping in to re-record this intro. Um, and now for the audience, just FYI, we're going to cut back to the first podcast that we, we recorded, which was just great. And you're about to hear the rest of that. But anyway, this is fresh material on top of um, our original. And so thanks again, Mike. Thank you so much for having me back again. I appreciate it. I am so thrilled to get a few minutes to explore some key topics with you today. I mean, anytime I get FaceTime with you, it's amazing. But um, thank you. Thank you so much for being here today. No, it's an honor. You know, I love idea ideas, you know, close to my heart. So and then you especially because one of my favorite people to see at conferences, but one of the first people to highlight me in articles and things like that. So I'm always super thankful to be on here. Oh, well, right back at you, Mike. The, the, it's a love fest. <laughs> <laughs> we start off with the love. So the last time you and I podcasted was at 2020 Personal Trainer Institute in Alexandria, just one week before the whole world shut down. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, because everything in the industry changed so dramatically and so rapidly from that point, the episode we cut never saw the light of day, unfortunately. 
But here we are 20 plus months into this thing and how the world has been transformed. So I think that's probably a good place for us to start. Um, first, if you could tell us, um, and for people who don't know you and, <clears throat> excuse me, and who don't know the lab, first tell us about your business model and then trace the evolution of your journey as a solopreneur since March, 2020. How are things going at the lab? Oh, wow. Okay, so basically, I am Mike Piercy, if we haven't met before. So, so for me, I, I guess I would describe myself as a you know former athlete, a fitness entrepreneur, um, trainer. I, I consider myself a lifer in the industry. It's one of my great loves, this fitness industry that we're in. Um, the lab, essentially, we do sports performance and we treat everyone as athletes. So it's like basically uh, we use athletic-based skill sets to help people reach their fitness goals. And those would be considered our everyday athletes. And then we use cutting edge technologies, techniques and tools to help um, athletes of all levels, be it youth, be it college, be it high school, be it professional to uh, help themselves get better. You know, we try to use the latest and greatest to help them reach the next level in their in their athletic journey as well. You know, so uh, if somebody caught me in an elevator and they say, hey, what do you guys do? I say we, we're the place that you go if you want to make fitness fun and you want to do something a little more exciting than bicep curls. Yeah. So and how many I, years in business now? So for us, it's probably about almost nine. We're coming up on nine years in the game now. Um, and, uh, you know, it's been quite the journey. So it's, it's, it's been fun. And the thing is, it's, it's still going. So, uh, but like I said, I'm one of those guys that started in this industry at a super young age. So I'm, I'm always excited about the twists and turns. Mm -hmm. Um, sometimes fun, sometimes not so fun. <laughs> right. So speaking of those, what, what have been some of your biggest challenges as a business owner and coach during pandemic? Um, was it client retention, staff retention, virtual delivery, all of the above? What's, what's been going on there? Um, so, so the, the funny thing is I blame us for the whole pandemic, by the way, because we were, that was like the last live show we were on. And then the funny, <laughs> it's not so funny. I say the funny thing, but it's not so funny because it was like, it, I kind of felt like it was a joke and I was making a joke about it at the conference. And then it became this serious thing out of nowhere. And then, um, so one of the challenges I would say, you know, you can look at the individual things, you can say virtual stuff like that. Um, but I think the, 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 one of the things was trying to create ways to stay engaged with people, um, you know, as they, I think, that we were at one of the toughest times on our industry, but also had one of the biggest opportunities because we had a, a captive audience, you know, because people are at home, they're looking for many different ways. And then um, what I didn't want to do, and our, our goal was always to try to stay engaged with our, our membership and our clients and try to be solution-based, but at the same time, stay engaged with them. We didn't want to be, you know, the not knowing how long it would last to go away. And then all of a sudden, when it was time to reopen, say, hey, you forgot about us, we're here. It was to try to stay engaged with different things, whether that be creating in-home programs, whether that was doing virtual stuff, whether that um, for us, we had a lot of success in really just trying to be creative and go outside. And, you know, you say outside the box, but for us, we had this huge parking lot. So we started doing parking lot workouts. Um, and that was the biggest, one of the biggest shocks too, is that, um, for us, the culture that we have now, a lot of it was driven by the, you know, by by the challenges of the pandemic. So, it was, you know, in a way, it drew people together. But it was also um, for them, it was showing up to find something new on a regular basis, whether we were doing things in a park, whether we were doing things in the parking lot, 
um, not having, you know, the luxury of this great facility that we have now, just trying to find different ways to stay, you know, forefront. But I, I would say not just engage in a selfish way from our um, vantage point of trying to hold on and have client retention. It was more how can we be of help in this time when most people, you know, we don't. I think that it's, it's a tough thing. Um, and it's to get wordy a little bit, but I think it's a tough thing because we don't always, it, it's easy to lose sight of the fact that we don't really understand everyone's journey that might come in and out of the facility and how important um, their visit might possibly be. Mm-hmm. So for us, when people, you know, basically locked in court and off house, especially kids, because it's something like for us, you know, it's a much different thing. I, the, the kids, I, I'm like, you guys don't realize how crazy it's going to be that you're never going to have a have a snow day again. <laughs> like, like, right. like, like there's no such thing for you anymore like for us we see snow it's like yes i get to stay home today no so you're going virtual today um right so, so and, it's much and, different and you guys were working out outside all through the winter in in a new jersey winter and so that must have been sort of interesting yeah so the thing but the the thing about that is we uh had limited capacity by the time it was kind of cold so we had limited capacity that we could use. So we we were pretty creative with that. We just had to cut back numbers, which for us was okay because we were a small group facility. We tried to. Um, I would say I'm, I, would, I would be very proud of my membership base because we kind of followed every guideline and we tried to mask up and do different things. But the creativity of outdoor, indoor, we tried to do a combination of both. Yeah. So, I mean, what what were some of the the innovations? I mean, just a couple of examples of of training outdoors, training in the cold. Um, how did people respond to all of that? Um, you know what? People really loved it. For us, one of our if you ask success stories at one point, um, the interesting thing about it is. We think outdoor workout is funny. Like I watch videos now and people just pull rowers outside and that's an outdoor workout. For us, we weren't doing that. We were like, it, it was like trying to figure out different ways. So we had tires and we were trying to figure out ways to kind of strap ropes to tires. We created different things. And um, the the creative aspect for us is we had this whole parking lot and we had side lots and we created workouts to kind of do that, try to figure out ways to utilize outdoor activities to have them become part of those things. And at one point we were doing a lot of outdoor workouts and I had a um, reporter from News 12 reach out. She said, oh, we just heard about you guys doing these outdoor workouts. Can we come take a look? And um, they came and they came and they did the workout and they just absolutely loved it. You know, they loved the people, they loved it. And then they were like, we want to highlight it. So, um, fantastic. The cool thing about it is, yeah. And the video's up on the website. I show it in some conferences to just show people kind of what we do. Cause we've kind of held on to that. And then the really cool thing that happened after that is kind of the governor of New Jersey caught wind of what we were doing. And then I got a phone call from him. We, you know, had a conversation and then he highlighted it on his press briefing. Hmm. So it was really cool to have him and his staff get on board. But just a really cool thing to to see that what we were doing was was one. Um, The thing is, we try to always keep in mind the safety, which is interesting, you know, with the rules ever changing on a regular basis. um, We tried to keep in mind the rules, but the safety things. With, with us trying to be creative, what happened is a lot of things went kind of fell to the back 
a little bit. And when I say that, it means that, you know, the uncomfortability of people having to wear different masks and mm-hmm. things like that. I really, if I could tell you the truth, the whole time, I never really heard a mask complaint from not one of our members, you know, and I don't know if everybody could say that, but we never really, because it was, I think that not just, I don't want to take all the credit. It was a co um, a co-creation of what we were doing together as, you know, one, our fitness business in conjunction with our membership, just trying to find creative ways to do things. And, you know, the credit really goes to them for being game. You know, I mean, when I say game, it's like, you know, it's hard sometimes to get people to get on board with everything that you're doing in really tough times. But to their credit, I think that they were having so much fun doing just unorthodox things that we wouldn't normally do (laughs) that it was just like, you know, I'm having a great workout, but this is just some of the craziest stuff that I could possibly be thinking to do in the parking lot in New Jersey. So it was like interesting in that respect. Yeah. So I can relate to that totally because the um, God bless the guy who owns my gym, the gym I go to, um, <laughs> we sort of flew under the radar for a while and, uh, you know, went back earlier than we were supposed to. But mm-hmm. everybody masked up. Everybody played by the rules. It's a super clean gym, great ventilation. And it just gave me complete sanity to get back in and start moving again. I was doing yeah. workouts on my back deck, but I mean, there's wow. there's just such a um, a big difference in working that group energy and also just, you know, being guided by a coach who knows what the heck they're doing. I mean, that's why that's why we come to you guys. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, it's it's great that your um, that your your members stayed engaged and uh, that you you were creative enough to to find a way to get them their workout. Good for you. I think it's and not to I know, you know, we want to keep it going, but I think that what you just said is such a powerful thing. Because I think that's if, if you could really tap into the mind frame of what it was of the thought process of what we were thinking at that time. The, if, if it was on a piece of paper, what you just said, what I would underline is what you just said. There's no substitute is really for coaching. Right. And for us, the human aspect, I remember and it's not the you know, I think all the things that what we did is we tried to embrace technology as well. You know, and I think that. I think that we talked about this in some of the committee meetings that we had. And it's really about, you know, for us, it's, it's such a thing in the industry to be worried about being replaced. Right. And I think that for us, what we try to do really is embrace the technology. Like Apple makes a great product with the Apple Watch and those are great things. Peloton, nothing wrong with it. We have plenty of members who own Peloton bikes and it's great. Sure. Um, and it's this 360 degree approach to fitness that we try to embrace. For for us, there's no, as a former athlete, there's no substitute for a great, great coach. Because nobody, you know, when I look at it, you, we've had DVDs for years. But if everybody, you know, information is not at a shortage. We can get any information. We can go to YouTube and different things. Um, coaching aspect is important for people because the human connection is what really became important because you lacked it because all of a sudden you're cordoned off in your house, depending on what your living atmosphere is like you, you haven't seen any other humans. Um, even if you went on virtual, you know, I can't reach out. And then the thing that really stood out to me about what one member said that made a difference um, in the way we played things is we started off with virtual right after um the pandemic started. We had always had an online program. We did programs for people, um, but we launched off to doing virtual. And the one lady said, um, 
you know, she's like, as usual, you're, you're still annoying as you are in person, but this gave me, <laughs> <laughs> she said, Mike's still annoying as it is, but it gave me a sense of normality. And that was important for people because it was like, so I tried not to ever do any uh, virtuals from like my house. <laughs> it's so true. It's funny, right? So, but an- annoying meaning she she loves you and well, she loves think, training with you. Right? Yeah, they all think right. I'm annoying. So it's like it's like, oh, he's so happy to be. Well, who gets this happy about this? This stuff sucks. Um, but <laughs> but th- that's because you're yeah. you care. You're picking at their form. You're pushing yeah. them. That's, annoying in a good that's way. annoying. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, in, a, in, a, in a nice way. They mean it in a nice way. But right. It's the funny thing about that is, and then. People who know me, they know this. I had um, I had a friend of mine who's not, who's from like California or something. And she said, she's like, I never really met a person like you. She's like, people just run up and give you crap. You know, <laughs> like, I don't understand it. Like they feel comfortable with just running up giving you crap. So nobody gives me more crap than my actual members and athletes that are here. That's the, you know, I come from a family that if people are being nice to you, that means they probably opened your mail and found out you were sick. So, so it's like, hey, are you doing okay today? It's like, oh, hold up, what's wrong with me? So, other than that, like, even my mom's gonna give you crap. She's not gonna be like, hey, what's going on? It's like, what do you want? Oh. Um, that's you know, that's kind of how we roll. Well, but that's what it was. It gave people a sense of normality in a situation that's never we never really faced this situation before. You know, right. so I always think it's interesting because it's just um, the fact of. It's both an advantage and a disadvantage, right? When I look at it, it, you were going through a situation that's never, ever happened before. Mm -hmm. So it was like, why not try everything, you know, because there's no book on this. Yeah. Yeah. There's really no coaching that you could possibly get. Yeah. So, Mike, all of that said, what has your retention been like? Have you had a, a turnover of, you know, folks who didn't come back? Do you have a whole influx of new people? What does that look like now? To be honest with you, we had an influx of people who kind of dropped off during the time, but our numbers ended up increasing because we ended up with a different type of culture that came. So for us year over year, we increased. Fantastic. Um, And I mean, the numbers are one thing and it's important as a business owner, but the thing that's most important is this. um, I think that we have a very strong culture. Um, and if you look at some of the social and things like that, the things that I think that we do, it doesn't make it better than anybody else. It makes it different. And um, I think it's a culture that strengthened in a bond of what you came through to get to this point. Mm-hmm. So it's people that care about other people. Um, and I think that that's a very interesting aspect. Um, I, in, a, in a presentation, we talk about coaching a lot of times that I always look at sports as a metaphor, right? And that was this whole thing before. But CrossFit is one of the strongest cultures for it because it uses some of the same bases that athletics use. And it's one of those things that they call um, suffering breeds cohesion. You know, when we suffer through something that's really sucked really bad, we bond together because we can always say, remember that? Remember that podcast we did right before the pandemic happened? And it's an automatic connective tissue, right? Because it's like that really kind of that was kind of crazy, right? In this crazy situation. So it's like um, going through boot camp or going through spring training or going through some really crazy, like, you know, championship series that's you forever bonded by that. So the pandemic, I think, then um, as you pass through, I think the culture that we have now is strengthened by the bonds of having to had to go through that, to have the stories of, hey, we had to do this and we had to do that. and We had to set up, 
you know, 15 million cones every Saturday just so we could do a workout. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, just just training as a group and having your workout buddies, that alone is a bonding process and, and culture building for sure. But then when you throw in what's happened in the past 20 months, it becomes even stronger connected connective tissue, as you said, which I think is a great analogy. Yeah. Um, and yeah. So did you did you consciously do anything to tweak your culture during that time or was it just the whole idea of we're here for you and we're going to do this and no excuses? And no, I think that we were we we added during that time. So one of the things for us is always signature classes and try to create things that are very unique, just personality. So we try to create new classes. Also, we added, you know, a technology aspect to create like uh, more of a competitive vibe, but also to connect people with what they were doing. So we added, you know, like my zone um, mm -hmm. for people, which was really cool because, you know, the reason why that kind of happened is I used to have people who wear their regular Apple watches and different things. And they would come in and say, Oh, well I burn when we create these different formats, they would say, I burned this, how much I burned. And I'm like, Oh, that'd be cool if everybody could see how much they were burning or they could see, you know, how many, points they were getting things like that sure. so we tried to yeah we tried to add things like that that added to the culture so you have um, the you have the board now yeah so we've always had televisions up we have our you know board up on screen and then we did you know challenges with teams fun we, we've done stuff yeah with this team against that team didn't always you know stay together but it's you know sometimes haphazard stuff is more fun than actually when it runs more smoothly yeah um so we've done stuff like that. We tried to add little things that add to the culture, but really to be adaptive. Um, we did open gym for one point because we had people who might be skeptical about going back into really big gyms. So um, just to have a really private atmosphere, um, they enjoyed it, knowing that they have all the cleaning supplies. I think that we're starting to get more relaxed as far as things are concerned with people worrying about being with each other. But I tried to be really cognizant of that, that's the one thing I tried to ask them when we made changes to um, our, and I, I think I talked about this before, you know, social media became a really a touch point for us mm -hmm. um, to where we've done more on that than we've ever done, just posting what was going on. And then what we did is um, when they had expanded, the limitations were this many people could come in. But a lot of times people in business and this is a thing people usually vote with their feet. They don't, a lot of times they don't tell you, you know, they just stop showing up or don't go places because mm. they feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. And so at one point, you know, we, we had expanded from, I think you could have eight people in a group to 10. So we tried to do polls and just ask people, what do you think would be a safe amount of people? If people came up and it was more like eight, then we stuck it at eight and just stayed or 10 or whatever it is. Um, the number we tried to stay in, con in constant communication with them and how they felt about things mm -hmm. and try to create an atmosphere. I think that, you know, customization will be really big going forward, you mm -hmm. know, and we try to customize the experience for each person so that we keep people that are happy, happy. And um, you can't make everybody happy. No, but at the end of the day, we could do the best we can to create a great experience for everybody where they feel safe. And then, um, it, the safety aspect doesn't separate them from the workout experience. Gotcha. And that's what we never wanted to do. I think right. that in this day and time, that could be really like a real problem 
because mm-hmm. it becomes a point where I feel like I'm just not safe or, you know, I try to discuss with my train with, with, with my guys and, and girls that work here. Just, you know, basically we can't have, we don't want to be the outbreak center. <laughs> you know, we want people to come. <laughs> we want them the minute they hit the door to feel safe. So if that's taking temperatures, if that's making sure we have enough cleaning solution, if that's making sure, and, and that's keeping those habits up the whole time afterwards. So, Mike, you know, because we're coming into another cycle with Delta variant, how are you looking at the coming months with your business model and your offerings at the lab? Uh, For us, you know what? The thing is, we've always tried to uh, be ahead of the game. And with that, with that in mind, what it is, is just discussing with, you know, my members as they come in Uh, for us when Delta started. One of the things that we did here is with vaccinations and stuff like that, we didn't want to become the vaccination card police. So it was basically vaccinated when when they relax things. It was if you're vaccinated and you feel comfortable taking off a mask, you take off a mask. If you you know aren't vaccinated, you feel free to continue wearing your mask. The minute we had the thought of going back to masks, we were already looking to discuss that with people. So that was the first thing. And on a Saturday class, it was like, just to let you know, next week, most likely we're going back to wearing masks inside. Mm-hmm. And then. So get ahead, know, get ahead of it. So get ahead of it. But at the same time, if it's not like um, for us, I think we've been very successful in the fact that I think that maybe I have one interesting in they wouldn't have a problem with me sharing this, but I had one interesting maybe call with somebody that says maybe I'm it's like, I'm shocked that, you know, as as um as tried and true to the guidelines, it would be, I would, you know, I was kind of shocked that you wouldn't require people to show cards and things like that. And my response to that was basically like, listen, we, we follow every guideline up to this point. And to be honest with you, everybody has done a really great job of taking care of each other. So I think that in this case, with us going on that type of honor system, I think that everybody, I I would put my trust in everybody to take care of each other. So if you're not, then I would trust that you would. We don't need to have conversations about it because for me, I'm I'm of the school that it's a private thing and that's the way I feel about it. Mm-hmm. But in, in our business, we want to make sure that everybody's comfortable and that they feel like their privacy is respected. Um, so we I, that was that was my view that we, you know, trust them to, to take care of each other. Sure. Now, once the once those guidelines changed, having those conversations, we have been, you know, two, I would say two, three weeks back with masks. That's why you see me with my, um, you know, my desert sand cover. (laughs) (laughs) I I just started wearing mine voluntarily in the gym again, just because Uh we don't know what this is about and it's my choice and nobody's questioning me about it. So it's, you know, I think everybody needs to do what they need to do to feel safe. I think that this is something that we have to, we're going to have to adapt and think that this is here to stay. This is something that, you know, um, I love when people say new normal, but I don't really love that terminology because I just think like this is going to be all new. This is a new world we're approaching where guidelines are different. Standards are different for our industry as a whole. I always had the opinion that coming out of this, we would never be the same again. And I think I've said that on a couple of different things. And I think that's a good thing. I think that in ways that's a good thing. You know, in some ways it might not be so comfortable, but I think that that's. For us, 
we've never been challenged like this before. Right. Yeah. And so as long as you touched on that, speaking in terms of the fitness industry in general, what do you see the big learnings from this pandemic to be for the industry? And then, you know, to follow on that, where are we missing the mark and how do you think we can do better as business owners, as leaders, as part of the healthcare continuum? Nice. This is it's a great topic. We could be a whole we could be a whole podcast on this one alone. Um, so we start. Uh, what are the learnings? The learnings is I think that we need to define ourselves better. You know, talking with government people, especially here. Um, just it, it, it was a very interesting time, but I think that we missed out on some things because it's not so easy to define the different levels of where we are in the industry. So for me, I would consider uh, so many times people will say boutique, but I, I don't think I own a boutique studio. I think I own more of a performance facility. Mm-hmm. Um, but what, where's the definition of that for somebody? And then how does that affect the way that, you know, government looks at us so that we, you know, for me, the biggest, not just for me, but for people who own businesses like myself, I think one of the biggest issues was trying to delineate themselves away from um, the big global gym. Or, you know, the, the bigger gyms that were volume based. So the Equinox, the Lifetime, things like that, which is mm-hmm. nothing, not a problem. It's just we're not the same. So if you don't understand our industry from the outside looking in, I think that you look at it and you view it all as the same. And then that's a problem because that's where a lot of businesses, I think, got hurt. And they'll say, what I, I looked at a stat the other day. I don't know if it was 21 percent, but you might have the numbers a little better than me. But I think it said 21 percent of businesses, this uh, fitness businesses closed during the pandemic. And then I don't think that that's done. I think you have I think you're going to see more as it kind of shakes up because there was this there was this big argument for this, the longest that everybody wanted to take the doors off their gym. I should open mm-hmm. my gym. Right. But I always was opposed to that. Why? Not because I'm not because I was a fan of gym being closed, but. What if you open your doors and nobody shows up? You know, <laughs> you know, you're in a bigger problem because now you can operate, but now you can't really, you know, provide services because people are just like, hey, I don't want to go to the gym. I don't, you know, you know, uh, pandemonium had taken place. Uh, so I think the learnings are one. We need to define who we are as an industry. Um, I'm going to be the unpopular person to say, you know, I think that it's a time for us to very seriously look at regulations and, and licensing. Mm-hmm. because I think that for a long time, the barrier to our industry has been so low and it's up to us to say, is it time for us to raise the level of what we're, what we're looking at in industry so that we are respected when we go sit at the table. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at licensing, the biggest issue with people say, well, let's just give money to the government. Does it make you a better fitness profession? But for a cosmetologist and a beautician, that's got to be licensed. It doesn't make them a good beautician either. It just says that <laughs> it just says that you have achieved the minimum criteria to work in that field and be in that field. And I think that for a long time, it's been, hey, I have money and I can get a, I can afford a thousand square feet. I'll open a studio and then I'll you know go and do. And for us, I don't think that works. I think that it shows that it doesn't really work in that respect. So I think that is. Go. Mike, I'm, I'm curious when when you talk to fitness colleagues about this topic, what what's that conversation like? What are what are other fit pros saying about licensure? I think that you're gonna see a mixed bag because mm-hmm. uh, I've, I've mentioned this is not the first time I mentioned this. I mentioned it on a call during Idea World when we did that. 
and you're going to have a mixed bag. You're going to have people who say, oh, well, it's just it, it, it's giving money to, you know, whoever or it doesn't make you good. No, nothing's going to make only thing that's going to make you an accomplished professional is working at your craft. That's not what you know, there's there's doctors that are licensed that probably aren't good doctors, probably don't have the best bedside manner. But what it does is it makes it so that when I walk into an office and I know, you know, what if you I always ask this question, what if you found out that your doctor never went to medical school or you didn't have a license? You see your face right there. That's the <laughs> that, that's the cover right there. What if you found out that you would be like you would be mortified, right? Absolutely. So yeah. I know we have U.S. reps and many things like that, but I think that when it comes to our industry, I think that this is a hot button topic that is we would like right about time for us to really look at exploring this, you know, because the barrier to entry. Um, and how does that affect things in a pandemic? It affects the way that when we go to the table to talk to people, we have to have solutions for people and they have to have a firm understanding of what they're looking at in our industry. And I don't think at this point they do. Otherwise, you know, when you look at it, you know, you, you see now support for the restaurant industry. You see support for these other industries. And obviously we have the gym acts that you're coming out with now, but it's why wasn't there a rush? to say, we need to help these people, Right. you know, we, we need to help these businesses. And the only way you could look at it is misunderstanding of the true business models that you see, and then uh, a lack of respect for our industry as a whole. Yeah, I, I think uh, this whole question of, it, it took a lot of advocacy to get to the point where we are now, where I think lawmakers are finally understanding What's self-evident to us in in the industry is that fitness is essential, but mm-hmm. you know it, it took a lot of convincing, and I think I think that's an ongoing that's ongoing job one for for what 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 you're talking about here is to redefine who we are and also to define why fitness is essential. We've got we've got all the science, we've got all the evidence pointing to people being healthier all around and being able to be resilient through something like COVID-19 because they're in in better shape. I'm I'm curious, um, I wanted to follow up on you mentioning your conversation with the governor, how how the governor of New Jersey got in touch with you. Um, What was that conversation like and what what did you, what were your goals for messaging when when you talked to the governor? That was funny. Oh, that's a fun, that's, that's a great story. What's funny is I got a I got a random call actually from the governor and then he he actually, he called and I actually hung up the first time because I thought it was one of my cousins messing around. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, no, it's Governor Murphy. And then which for is real, a, you know, for real. I'm dead serious. So yeah, which if you know me, you know that's not outside of the scope. But um, I thought it was a great conversation. Um, for me, it's the realization of he's got a for anybody that's in that position, they have a very hard job and we have a hard job. So um, for us, it was a short call and it was really about, you know, what we were doing. I'm not a really political person at all, so I don't get too much into politics at all. And I try to stray away from it every chance that I could get um, because it's just not, if you want to talk, for me, if you want to talk about the Dallas Cowboys and the NFL, I know everything in the whole, I think I know everything in the world. But when it comes to politics, I am not the most qualified person to be talking to about that fitness in sports. I'm cool with that. So I thought that the conversation was great. And for me, I 
had a it was a great conversation about understanding where we are as a business. Mm -hmm. And I think that for us as an industry, we want to have more conversations like that because if you have a willing listener that's willing to say, Hey, um, tell me about what your challenges are. And I thought that that was very nice. That, that was a very admirable thing of him to do to say, let me understand how your business works, how, how we can be of assistance to you and how we can help. And I thought that that, that was cool and, I think that in that situation, him and his staff, they did everything that they could possibly do to listen and hear, you know, kind of where we were. And it wasn't political at all. It was really just, you know, one person from another person saying, what, what is, what is the lab about? What are you about? What are you doing? Why are you doing it? And, you know, how can we be of help? And I thought that was, that was an awesome um, experience. And then for them to go on the back end of that and say, Hey, let's tell, you know, this, I love New Jersey. This is the state that I love. So to have the whole state say, hey, this, you did a good job was, you know, close to my heart. So I thought that it was great. Yeah, that's, um, that's great. Now, to piggyback on that and what you just said, and I think what you just said is so powerful. When we talk about this research about fitness being essential, I, when I go to that, I say, why do we why are we at the point where we have to explain this to people? And I think that that we haven't looked at that enough. And I think that when we look at where we are, it's the respect for our industry um, as a whole throughout, you know, not just this country, the world and things like that. Um, it's the fact that we have, we have to explore the fact of why do we have to tell people that? Why are we at the point where we are like, and I think if we ask ourselves why, then we get to the point of saying, is this the time where we say, do we need to regulate what's going on? Because the thing is, that's a conversation where it's for us is it's elementary, right? So it's like that's that it's a no brainer. Right. Absolutely. You know, but it became the war, the, the war cry for everybody that was trying to open their business. We're essential. We're essential. We, you know, uh, we we the immune system, we help. We doing this, but we have to explain this to people. And it felt like it was falling on deaf ears. But for us, I don't know if we explored the reason why it's falling on what we feel is deaf ears. And is can we look back and say, are we doing a, a good enough job of creating an atmosphere that should be respected the way that we feel it should be respected, mm -hmm. you know? Do you think part of that is, um, I mean, certainly it's, it's industry associations like IDEA, URSA, mm -hmm. all of the, all the leaders, all of the certification agencies, all of us beating that same drum to, to get that message out there. Uh, but also, um, I mean, how, how much responsibility do you think individual coaches and business owners and trainers should, should take about just educating their clients that, you know, just slipping in some evidence and research or sharing that stuff with them um, just as a way of engaging to, you know, to keep that education rolling so it's very top of mind, so it is very accepted and understood by everyone? Um. I think that that's super important that we have to educate people. I think that for us, first off, as fitness business owners, and I think that's that's something that can be touched on with idea. And you guys do a great job of, you know, just, you know, banging the drum for the whole entire industry, as well as ACE, as well as NASM and, and ASM. I know they don't want to be called NASM anymore. Um, uh, NSCA, all these organizations who I've been so honored to work with. Um, I think that for us as fitness business owners, I think that for us individually, it's time for us to take it upon ourselves and not only to start that process of saying, 
I'm not just going to hire anybody to provide services in our facilities anymore. Mm -hmm. um, we're going to, our bar is now, you need to be certified, have a degree, be certified when you come through the door to, you know, work with our people so that they can explain concrete, give solutions to people why it's essential mm -hmm. so that we start that process. So we don't know for us, like, you know, regulation, things like that. We don't know what that's going to entail right now. Is that a test and things like that? But we, I don't, I'm not sure you have to have all these answers. I think that when people start that, they start going through how much, how many, how are we going to do this? How are we going to do that? It's really smart people in this industry that can come up with answers to those questions. And I think that across the board, we have these organizations that maybe haven't always worked together, but Hey, it's like the Avengers now. Let me send the best from this organization, the best from idea. Let's send the best from ACE and let's put together what we need to have. That would be the minimum criteria for somebody to enter our industry and to work for our fitness businesses the way that we want them to. Um, and I think that just to make sure I'm answering the question correctly, I think that it's up to us to really um, have qualified people in our facilities, but to be able to, the people that come in, I think that they understand that that's essential for their, for their health. Because those people that came back through those doors quickly, they realize, hey, this is great. But people usually ask me about virtual. We do still offer virtual, but the minute we could get back in person, people, our, our virtuals were, you know, like, like the desert for a little while. It's like, hey, we're coming back in now. We're going back in there. Yeah, there's um, nothing like the magic of in-person. Yeah, and people enjoyed it. But it's, I think that I think that we were right. Virtual is here to stay, but I think that there's no substitute. Rocky will always need Mick. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you think about it. Think about Rocky movie without Mick. You can't, it's it's not the same. Just doesn't you know? happen. No, that's, that's, that's the nature of the game, right? If yeah. I could write out, I, the, I say this to all my clients, like I could write out a list of exercises and give them to you, right? And you would probably be able to do them at this point. You don't, you don't pay somebody anymore to show you six different ways to squat. It's can I put together a great program for you to get you to your goals more efficiently than you would do yourself? And can I hold you accountable? Can I create a plan that helps you? And can I push you harder than you would push yourself on days when you really don't want to get it done? That's what the coaches do. Yeah. You know, that's what they do. They push you to the maximum level because they see things in you that even you don't see. in you. Yeah. And that's well, the game. I, I love uh, I love your Avengers um, <laughs> analogy. I love the Mick and Rocky analogy. That's it's a really beautiful way to close the loop on this this whole conversation about pandemic and, you know, how we can improve and work together as an industry. So thank you so much for your insights on that. As, as we wrap up our conversation, I was hoping you could first let, let folks know how they can get in touch with you and uh, follow you either on social. Um, you, you put a lot of great inspiration out there. And so um, first, if you give, give us your website info, your social handles, and then I would love it if you could leave our listeners with a parting thought about our industry. And I mean, we've already covered so much today, but um, if you have something to cap it off with, um, how can we collectively move our shared mission forward? Um, so social media, Instagram is probably, Instagram is probably the one I'm most active on now. So it's at Michael Piercy. If you're interested in what the lab's doing, it's at the lab sports, um, website is also mikepiercy.com. And then, um, the lab website is at the lab sports, www.thelabsports.com. Um, 
let's see, what do I have going on as far as projects? Actually, you know, working on another book. I wrote one book, which is the 30 minute, you know, uh, the, the what's 30 minute shred from Men's Health a while ago, which you can get that on Amazon. But I'm working on a second book, which will be a little bit more personal, not so much of a fitness book. So be on the lookout for that. Ah, congratulations. Um, I didn't yeah. know about that. Thank you. So I'm working on that. And um, also for me, it, uh, my first coaching program, we're going to get that going. But you talked about mentors. One of the things that was very instrumental to me throughout the time is um, one of those other things is I had, you know, uh, how many people are falling off the Todd Durkin tree. I'm one of the people that fell off the tree or what, you know, it was so <laughs> instrumental having him as a mentor, but also Larry Individualia, who was always yeah. around, which, you know, if I look at him, he spent, he's probably done you know, as much for me in the industry as anybody ever has, you know, as a friend and a mentor. So for me, just trying to pay it forward and work with some fitness professionals who want to. So we'll have that coming as well pretty soon um, with some in-person stuff here at the lab. Fantastic. Um, yeah, well, we're trying to, you know, we try to help, you know, and put some good energy out into the world. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I guess that you said a parting thought, you know, for us, it's just, it's hard to tie up with so much different things, you know, just to tie it up with one thought. But the one thought is, you know, for us is how can we raise the level? How can we be better? You know, so it's looking at different ways for us to engage, but how can we be better for the people that come in? It's, it, for us at this time, um, I think that we looked at it at the beginning. It, it's a tough road for many people, but at the same time, it's the one that's laden with in the darkest time. It's usually when you see the most opportunity. Mm -hmm. And it's a huge time for us to actually view our industry in one respect um, and to be able to take a look at where we can guide it to at this point. Um, I don't think that we want to be in a new normal. I think that for us, we want to make things better. So it's how can we take and move things forward? How can we, how can each one of us take what we have and move the ball forward. You know, that's like football, right? It's like you, you, one person's not going to, you got a whole lot of people out there to, to try to get the first down and move, keep the chains moving, keep the ball moving forward. Um, and pass, so pass the ball, pass the ball, pass the ball, right? When you, when you run out of steam, pass the ball and then ask for it back when you're, when you got your energy back. Right. Yeah. And I think that it's a time for us. We, we came together for, I think that we've, we've done a great job of trying to come together, but I think it's now it's time for us to come together to look at where do we want to go for it and to be able to kind of quantify that um, and put a face on it to, you know, what are the key, you know, KPIs that we need to actually put into practice to, to move the ball forward. You know what I mean? As far as whether that be regulation, whether that be assistance, whether that be meetings with people, what are we what are we doing to actually start saying, hey, this is our new industry. This is the new standard for what it's going to be. And how can we do that? Right. So to have a game plan to move the game, the, the game, the ball forward, not just willy nilly passing and yes. seeing what works, but to have yeah. a plan, have a plan and stick to the plan and groove with the plan as you need to. Yeah. And I think that I know we're wrapping up, but it's one of those things that we talked about. I think that for us, uh, we, uh, you know, and it's not to be opinionated, but we've, we've talked a lot about closures and things like that. And we've come up for us is how solution based have we been, you know? And I think that for all of us, it's 
it's a time for us to say, can we be solution based? Can we give solutions? It's one thing to say, hey, we're essential and we shouldn't be close. But what are the solutions moving forward that we need to, you know, be able to sit at? We want to see seat at the table, but we want to have a seat at the table that actually is productive. Right. Mm-hmm. And for us, it's not just, hey, you know, let's let's tear the doors off and open our businesses or we don't want to be closed or we don't want these things or we don't want restriction. Um, it's how can we make things better so then if there is a next time, if there's a Delta or a super Delta or a mega Delta, you know, variant right. that says that, hey, what's this? What happens so that we don't end up in this place again? Mm-hmm. How can we make the industry better for ourselves and the people that, you know, for us, if you ask, you know, nine out of 10 people why they got into this industry, they'll all give you the same answer. They got into the industry to help people. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's how can we make a better atmosphere to help people, but to create a better um, atmosphere and environment as an industry so that we know that those people that we went and got into this industry to help are taken care of when they walk through our doors or our parking lots or our you know fields or our parks or whatever we're doing, wherever we're jumping up, tennis courts or wherever we're training people. <laughs> so that's it. Beautifully said, Mike. Thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure talking to you today and hearing your great ideas. Um, And really, every time I see you, you bring so much to the table whenever we talk. Um, Always fresh ideas, always positive attitude. Um, So grateful for your time and insights today. Thanks. Grateful for you for having me. It is an honor as usual. I appreciate it. Love you, Mike. Take care. Love you too. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed talking to Mike Piercy. If you haven't yet subscribed to the podcast, you can find the Idea Fit Pro Show at Apple Podcasts or on your favorite podcasting platform. We'd be honored if you took a minute to give us a rating, and we'd be so grateful if you would share the show link and news about the podcast on your social feeds. Meantime, we'll keep working hard to bring you more great material like this. This is Sandy Webster signing off. Until next time, stay positive and keep inspiring the world with your special magic. Don't ever forget that you make a huge difference in the lives of others and that idea is here to support you in this critical purpose. Thank you for all you do to make the world a healthier, happier place. The Idea Fit Pro Show is part of the Outside Inc. podcasting network. Many thanks to our executive producer, Jordan Leeds, and our engineer and editor, Mike Hilding. Copyright 2021, all rights reserved. Reproduction without permission is strictly prohibited.